programming since I was 10 years old. You know, most kids when they're 10 years old, especially when I grew up in the 90s, we were just getting computers. They were just becoming a thing. It was all on 56K, like dial-up internet where you would have to use your phone line in the house to be able to connect to the web. And I wasn't just like having fun. I mean, I played games and like those kind of things. But what what triggered me was I just wanted to build these things. I didn't want to just use them. So around that time, AOL was a messenger. Like AOL was a thing. And I ended up teaching myself a lot of front-end languages like HTML, CSS, JavaScript. And then I started teaching myself Visual Basic and Objective-C and PHP. And then I connected with a bunch of hackers that were... Um, you know, in the community, AOL community those days. And I joined a team trying to build out the next kind of version of AOL Instant Messenger. So I got exposed to just building things and be, being a programmer at a very young age. I've always wanted to create something meaningful. And I do that through either helping people or just trying to do it myself. And for a long time in my, uh, my 20s, it was just more about helping people achieve their goals and their dreams and I wasn't really sure what the freak I was doing you know so I really got put on the map I guess around like 2011 um I was getting out of school I didn't before that point I'd never thought about how valuable all of my technology and, and diversity of knowledge is across so many different niches, you know, business, I understand business and marketing and management and people and programming and technology and system design and architecture at a very high level. And I didn't want to just be one of those guys that's like stuck in one role, you know? So in that sense, I'm probably more entrepreneurial in spirit. You know, I just have a thirst for knowledge. Um, so, I decided to kind of create this this business, to, you know, this platform. And it's a place where all of Curly J can live. All artwork, you know, there's themes here. So all my artwork, traditional art, oil paintings, acrylic paintings. I don't like doing that as much anymore, though. Um, digital artwork, web development and design, full stack. Um, front, back end, whatever you need, DevOps, sysadmin stuff. Um, you know, I do audits and then business management type things. And then what's really important to me is health, spiritual growth, self-growth, and community. So, historically, I always thought, okay, there's all these different interests and I have to piece it out into like its own isolated thing in order for it to be digestible. And I took on this challenge, you know, of uh, trying to alchemize everything I, I do into one place. So that's what I did. I spent, you know, a lot of time imagining what that could be like, trying to build it, failing, building it again with more clarity, you know, and here we are. So this this live stream is 
it's kind of like a docuseries, you know? It's kind of like uh, this is the day in the life of Curly J. This is what I do. You know, we talk about a lot of different things. I want to build a community here. It helps and supports each other. You know, I don't want to, I want to give you value. And I've been thinking about that a lot. Like, I want to provide you with value, right? I, I don't want to just entertain you, you know? And that's all fun and stuff, of course. Like, those kind of things happen. We'll dance or, you know, talk about whatever. But I would love for you to come here and get something out of it or contribute something to it whatever is going on and that's my hope you know and i don't, I don't want to be i'm not judgmental of accent i'm not gonna be just mass banning people because i don't agree with your point of view anything like that i just want a, a space uh, where we can co-create and and grow in individually and collectively and the, the driving forces of that idea for me is self-growth and healing artwork and creativity and technology and business and community right so so that's really that's the core of it it's kind of the core of what we're doing here um and i hope that was a little more clear you know than previous explanations <laughs> you dig it hell yeah man eclectic range of interest for sure yeah yeah definitely and i want to bring all of my my skills and my knowledge and everything at the table i don't want to just be the okay here here is i'm just going to do back-end programming that's it there's a lot more to a, a human being than just that you know your one isolated interest or, or passion you know and you think about that in the context of businesses too you know, there's a lot of businesses that have a very vertical hierarchy. So there's guys at the top, you know, and, and there's levels to it down to the lowest probably paid income employee. And that creates a separation of power, in my opinion. So the guy at the top is the most powerful. Whoever's below him is less powerful. And he views the person above him as powerful. And the guys way at the bottom just see all this power-driven stuff going on at the top. And it, it creates an environment that can turn into uh, an unproductive one, right? If I think about it, there's two ways I could live my life. I can live it out of fear or I can live it out of love. And I think you can kind of boil down everything in life to, to those two things. Am I doing everything out of love? Yeah, so by love, I mean like empathy, you know, sympathy, compassion, understanding, um, you know, um, respect. Uh, and, and by fear, I mean like jealousy and envy and, um, you know, uh, gossip, things like that. And you can kind of just live your life in those two lanes. And if you're living your life in that fear lane, you're naturally inviting it and putting it back out in that feedback loop that you just said. And it just keeps going round and round. And then you're just in this cycle of fear. And it's really hard to see the love if you're just like living in that that cycle, you know. In between last stream and this stream, I had to buy a car. 
Dude, and this is where um, my trust in people can be an issue. You know, all that stuff happened in the mountains, and we had to move move out of there, and we went broke. All that stuff, so I had to sell my car. I sold there at a discount. I went to buy another car, right? Like an 06 Forerunner. <clears throat> and I'd been looking for some. And I was not freaking patient enough again. Again, I was not patient enough. So I'm looking for cars, and those cars are super high demand out here, probably, apparently. I had no idea. They're even just valued more, even used ones, just because we're in Colorado and it's good for mountains, whatever. I'm looking for a forerunner, and I don't have a car at this point, so it's hard to go see cars. My partner's car is not good for doing the ton of errands like that, it's just for scooting around town. So we go to Denver to see one on, like, Thursday. Didn't work out. The car sucked. The guy was looking sketchy. Couldn't see another car. I see this other V8 on Craigslist that's been sitting there for, like, 20 days, which is kind of a red flag, you know, but I really needed a car. Um, I see if he can, uh, you know, meet me, like, what was it, Friday night? I was like, if you can drop it, you know, like 11 grand cash, you know, I'll just take it from you, assuming there's no rust. Doesn't acknowledge the rust. Tells me everything is cool with the car, so he's good to go. He can't think of any reason or anything wrong with it. He The rust isn't really an issue. There's even open recalls on this version of the car, so you can go take it in to like Toyota North America and they'll just fix it all for you for free because it's like an open recall and they had the lawsuit around all those rusted frames. Frames shouldn't even be rusted in Colorado. I don't know, man. And he's just such a slick talker, you know, and he's like, and I'm asking about all this stuff and he just has like perfect answers for everything or justification or reason for everything. So I get, I'm an idiot, dude. So I give him like 3,500 bucks that night and I'll get the rest I'll meet him the next day at the bank, Saturday, to pay him the rest of the money and get the car. So I do that, and he was, like, late showing up. I had a bad feeling. I ignore the feeling. Look under the car pretty much when we're signing the bill of sale. And there's, like, rust under it. But I'm from New Hampshire, so my frame of reference for what bad rust is is terrible, dude. Pretty much every car that... Hits 100k miles in New Hampshire is like they just salt all the roads for all the snow all winter, so everything's rusted. Everything's rusted, dude. And you just deal with it, and you pretty much get rid of your car when it's like at 100k miles. But here they don't like they don't. There's you don't have to worry about salt like that, you know. And the sun melts most of the snow, so there's no real cars that are rusted like that. So you can drive a car 400k miles out here, you know, assuming you take care of it. And that's what I was looking for. I was like, okay, this this. This Forerunner's got a V8, which is sick. It owns 109,000 miles. I could drive that thing to 400K, just do some repairs, be all good, blah, blah. So I, I buy the car from him. Oh, also, another tip. If you buy a car, a used car, dude, keep the bill of sale amount open. So you say you pay 10 grand for a car. Give the guy 10 grand. But on the bill of sale, don't put 10 grand. Because when you go to register it, you have to pay taxes on that freaking 10 grand, dude. And I didn't know this either. So it sucked. So, it sucks so much, dude. 
I found that out after. Yeah, so you can like you pay ten grand. So he has the cash, but on the bill of sale, you put like it was a thousand bucks, and then you go pay hundred bucks in taxes. Not the f- my taxes was like nine hundred bucks for that car. So I finally get it. I take it to my buddies. I'm not a mechanic. He looks he looks under the the frame, and he just started freaking out. He didn't even want to look at under the frame because he knew it'd be so rusted. And he just keeps finding stuff wrong with him, wrong with it, you know, and like now it's acting all funny. So I think I possibly got defrauded. And what's happening now? I reached back out to the guy and I was like, dude, this is not okay. Are you willing to work something out with me here? You know, I didn't ask for a full refund. I was just asking if he's willing to work something out. And he just like freaked out. I think he's a real, I think he's a scammer, dude. This guy is just really sketchy. And I was just trusting him anyways. You know, and the car's like not working really. So I got to take it to a mechanic on Thursday and get a list of everything that's wrong with it. Hopefully it's not too bad or hopefully you can still repair the frame. But my friend's dad had to repair a frame on his Toyota once and it was like $15,000. I'm not spending $15,000 on a freaking... But he just lied to me, dude. He essentially lied to me the whole time. You know, and then afterwards, I was was nice about it. I didn't attack him. I was like, dude, this isn't okay. Like, you really got me here. And, you know, you were dishonest. Like, can we just, I didn't even say it like that. I was just like, can we work something out here? Like, this isn't, you weren't really honest with me, dude. Like, this is not what you told me I was buying. You know, so what's happening now is I'm going to take it to the mechanic. And he, he didn't respond well at all. Started threatening me. Like, dude, he went crazy. So I was like, okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks for that. I'm going to go ahead and uh, I think I'm, after I get the mechanic, if it's too bad, I'm just going to take it in the small claims court, which is a big pain in the butt. But big pain in the butt. But um, yeah, I think that's what's got to happen. Yes, yeah, so I've gotten into energy work. I see a body worker who does energy work on me. I've been to some cacao ceremonies, which are very cool. Um, they do some energy healing there. Um, but I believe in energy in all forms of energy. Yeah. You know, and, and I do, but I mean, you could say like, I believe in mystical magical things that happen to have no explanation or reasoning or science behind it. You know, how can you not dude prove like you, you love your dad, right? Or your mom or your brother, whoever you, you love somebody, right? Like, prove that you love them you know like there's just this unexplained when you get a vibration or a feeling from somebody like have you ever just met somebody and you're like dude something's wrong something is off like something does not feel good that's not explainable like that's energy to me and it's even a fact and like with science that when we pass away right this this body dies i am my energy doesn't just disappear it, it changes, dude. It changes. Like, it, energy does not just go away or else there would be no universe, right? So, yeah, that's, a, you know, that stuff's important. All right, we'll dance. We'll dance party. We haven't, we should move around a little bit. All right, here we go. What do you want to listen to? What, what should we dance to? You got a song in mind? Yeah, energy can't be destroyed. Thank you. It always exists, dude. Right. It just moves around. And you can send energy towards people. And to that extent, I've become more like okay with not being physically present with certain people that I really care about. Like moving out to Colorado was so hard for me, not because of the location change, because 
I was not going to be as close to all of my brothers and sisters and very close friends and family there. Right. But I realized like, I don't need to be physically present to be connected to anybody, you know? And I like to think that when certain people pop into my head, it's not just random. It's because maybe they're thinking about me too, or maybe sending me some vibes, you know? I think, um, even the, the whole idea around like, how difficult it is to quit something or that you can't or that it's so hard is something that is like probably even just what what cigarette companies have like told us you know it's like if if you tell someone it's really 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 hard to do it and you're gonna feel like crap and like all this stuff then going into something like that like going trying to do something with that already that perception that like this is going to be really hard this isn't gonna this is this is probably gonna take months or years for me to recover from or like you're not going to be able to function the same without it your brain's going to be all messed up all those ideas like you already have going into it so you're way less likely to actually get through it so if I'm going into, if I'm trying to quit cigarettes and my perception around it is like, it'll be okay. It'll be healthy for me. I'll feel better. My senses will start coming back. You know, I'll, I'll be able to smell. I'll be able to see all these things. And like, just understand that you're going to have some like difficult feelings that you can just work through, work through with meditation or art or, you know, talking to somebody or, you know, ethogens, you know that is is a way better path to actually dealing with something when you have perspective around something that is more positive because if you go looking for like negative shit all the time dude there's plenty of it. you can find it if you want to have your uh, perspective around something that's really negative it's so easy to do that and vice versa if you want to have an awesome perspective around something positive thinking like you know trying to take care of yourself and be loving to yourself that's really easy too. There's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad, you know? And it's almost like choose how you wanna, choose how you wanna think. Where do you wanna go, right? <laughs> um, my first time um, doing dope, I was in Boston. I was in a really difficult place in my life. It was just like, I was using a lot. I wasn't happy at all. I had no idea what love is. I did not know what I was doing at all I was really lost really confused i was deep in my addiction issues um and i decided to do some heroin so i called up a girl i know or I used to run with and we got some and we went to her place and she i had no i had no idea about it you know i like i was just i'll try anything type of dude you know what do you got and i'll take more right and and she, you know, she loaded me up and I had no idea like potency or tolerance with this stuff or anything like that. And she was just like, you know, this stuff's really good. And then she loads me up and I, I like, if it's like kind of heavy and then she hits me again and then I'm totally gone, dude. I don't, I don't remember. It was just black darkness. I'm sure I would have experienced uh, more things along the lines, 
of what people see when they actually have a death experience like that. But I didn't because I think I was so fucked up. Like it just totally like ended. I, I stopped breathing, you know, and she's and she's. You know, a week before that, she her one of her other friends she used to run with OD'd on fentanyl. So, you know, there I am dying or I'm dead and I wake up and her dude, her knuckles are all the way up in my sternum. So it's like right up in here and she's up like wrist deep in my stomach with her knuckles shocking my heart, dude, to try to bring me back to life. And, she, and it works. And I like come to, right? And I'm just like, what's going on? I had no idea what happened. I'm just laying on the bed and she's on the phone and she looks at me and she's like, ghost white, dude. Like just fucking like when you're so freaked out, you you just don't know how to. You're frozen, essentially. You know, and she she like takes her hand out of my freaking my sternum. I'm like, who are you talking to? And she's like, I'm on the phone with the, the, the cops. I'm like, what? And she's like, she's like, you just, you just died. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to get out of here. So I, I, I'm, I, I'm so... And that wasn't even my my moment where I woke up, right? That wasn't even like, that wasn't my awakening. Like I had a profound profound moment later on. Maybe we can talk about where I actually I feel like I was reborn, right? Like you know you hear about awakenings and stuff. There was like a moment that happened for me when that happened. This wasn't it, dude. I wake up. She's like, I'm on for the cops, and my first thought is like, I gotta get out of here. I'm I'm ridiculous. So I like I you know throw out whatever whatever stuff I have with me. And I start leaving, and I'm so messed up, dude. I'm so freaking messed up. It's terrible. My eyes, and like, I'm just so white. I've just died. And I'm just going, you know, I'm trying to leave. I don't even know who I am. And she, the the cops, I'm like, I'm out of her apartment. She lives in an apartment, like, complex. So I'm out of her apartment, and I'm walking down the stairs, and the cops come flying up the stairs, dude. And they're like, oh, stop, stop, you know, so where are you going? Where are you going? And I'm, I just sit because I'm so blasted. I just, I'm so chill about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to leave, dude. And they're like, what the, f-? you know, they put the flashlight in my eyes and, you know, they're like, look, your eyes are as big as dimes. Like you're, you're on heroin. You know, I'm like, uh, uh, I think they're, they're like really tiny. And, and the pupils get really, don't get really big on heroin. <laughs> you know and it's just like you know they kept like pushing on I'm like I don't have anything search my bag you know it's all good I was just so gone like I just didn't care dude and they're freaking losing it and they're like where are you going you know they couldn't do anything they had uh, they had the girl I was running with bring down all like you know the needles and all that crap dude and like just give it to them so they could dispose of it and make sure we didn't have anything else left and wouldn't just like kill ourselves right because we just kept doing it we'd definitely be dead and so, you know, they're like, where are you going? Like, uh, you know, look at you. <laughs> I was just like, um, I got I to gotta go home. 
I gotta go home. And they're like, are you driving? I was like, my car's out there. And they're like, listen, just, we're not going to do anything. But please do not drive tonight. Just go upstairs, go to bed. And I was like, okay, I can do that. So we do that, you know, we go to bed. I wake up the next morning and I am throwing up, throwing up, still so messed up. I'm like, I died. I have all these just craps in my body and I gotta go, I gotta go to Roxbury in Boston to, to try to put a down payment on a, a apartment on a street corner where they just deal all night and I got to pay in cash and I'm so messed up. So I go down there and I am just throwing up. I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting outside for the landlady and I can't even, I just go around the corner, throw up, sit there, look terrible, go around the corner, throw up, sit down there again. Look terrible, dude. I feel like I'm dying. Like I did that. I go around the corner, throw up. This, this guy comes out of nowhere. He's like, hey, what are you doing here? You're like, what the fuck? You know, I'm the only white dude in that whole area, dude. Like, what are you doing here looking like this? You know, and he's like, I was just like, dude, I'm trying to rent this place. I don't know, man, what's going on? You know, because I don't care. I'm like, not, I people, everyone's just a person to me. And he, he's like, you know, you want a beer? Yeah, I was like, yeah, sure. And I didn't know that, like, alcohol enhances magnets, like, ten, Ten times the strength of opiates. So I was like, you know, I figured it'd just make me feel better because I'm, what? And then, you know, he gives me a beer and I have like three, four sips and we're in the middle of talking and I just, like, nope. Walk around the corner and I'm an idiot. Why am I even drinking right before I'm about to meet the landlady, dude? And I already look like this and I already did all that and I just died. And I'm so messed, like, what? How psycho is this thinking? It's so psycho, man, like, and in retrospect, it's like, you, there's no reason or logic. Like you're just so lost and you can't see anything and you have no regard for your own life and you have no idea what love is. And you just, just like, you're just trying to fill every fucking void you feel in yourself with anything but love, anything but it, dude. And it, like the easiest thing to get is all those, that shit, substances, booze, dude. Like there's so many vices I could just escape, you know? So that's what I was doing until I tell it later on. But so like, then the landlady finally comes, dude, and I got to meet her, and I got rubber bands all on my wrists, and she, I look so bad, and she's like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I just had a rough night, probably smell like booze and throw up and shit, and like, dude, and and she, she's like, yeah, uh, are you a drug dealer? I was like, mm, no, nope, um... I just like the feeling of the rubber bands on my wrists. And she she knew, dude. I was just gone. And then I just paid for the whole crib in cash for this, like, terrible home, dude. It's like Yucca's was just describing. It's like that. No windows, no AC. My bedroom was literally six feet by eight feet. And it's me and my cat in there. And, like, litters all over everywhere. Ugh. No windows, dude. Uh, so yeah, man, crazy, crazy. So I died. I didn't get anything from it in that moment. 
but about a year, yeah, about a year, year later, about a year later, I, uh, I got arrested and I went to jail and I was going to kill myself because I was in this whole state of being for a long time. And, you know, I got arrested and I'm in jail and I'm literally smoking myself, like just beating the crap out of myself because I just, I'm, I'm, I fucked up so bad for so long. I'm paying for it now. I'm an idiot. Like, what is this life? I'm not happy. This is miserable. I'm just going to keep doing this my whole life. Like, what the, f you know, I was like, I'm just, I'm over it. I'm done. I'm, as soon as I get out of here and like, and I got to deal with all this, this shit that's going to happen from getting arrested and like, that's, that's going to ruin my life anyways. All right. I'm going to go string myself up somewhere. That's, that's my firm, a hundred percent plan. As soon as I got out of there, I was done. I was so, that was like the, the that was I've had I've had multiple hundreds of times I've have, have had suicidal thoughts, but never never like I would act on them. You know, I just deal with them. It's okay. It's not like anything I would actually do. It's something I have to deal with. We can get into that later too. But um, and that was my decision. And while I'm in the jail cell, in the middle of that decision, I had. It's so hard to explain. There's no words for this. There's no fucking words for this. It was a wave of peace and calmness. And all of a sudden, I was shown. I had like a vision of like all, all the things that happened in my life weren't just like a result of my will. You know, like... Like, th I could finally see that things didn't just randomly happen. I could finally see that, like, e everything has a meaning and a message behind it. And this whole sequence of events for so long led me exactly to that moment. That exactly to that point where I needed to be to change. And I never would have thought that's, like, where I would change or that moment. Or I never thought that would even happen. <sighs> And then it happened, dude. In the middle, I'm, I'm going, I'm, see you later. And then fucking energy, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, dude. It was the first time in my whole life I could feel it. I could feel my spirit. My soul visited that day, dude. And it was so freaking amazing. I was, I could, it was like, I just understood all. The, and that's why I like, I call this moment my awakening is really when I totally became a different being. Or, or my soul spirit found me again or something happened, dude. It was a giant shift. And all my thoughts went away. I was totally okay with everything that's, that was going to happen. I accepted, like, what had happened. I all of a sudden knew what I had to do to change my life and work on myself. And it was in that. Is this is like a span of two minutes, dude? Like this is all that is happening, you know. And I go from just beating the crap out of myself. I take my shoe shoe off, just put it behind my head, and I fell a fucking sleep, dude. Just totally at peace. You know, my parents come get me out of jail, and even they know they're like, dude, you, uh, they don't even want me to sleep alone that night because I'm gonna. 
they know like I'll do something stupid, you know, like I was so beat up, but they didn't know I just woke up either. And from that moment on, dude, I, I, I got sober. I slowly weaned myself off of everything I was hooked on at the time. I moved into uh, another home in, in Watertown and I called rehab. Not because it was like court ordered or anything like that. I needed help. And this is my first fucking time. And I don't, I'm, I have a hard time asking for help as it is. This is the first time I'd ever asked for help with something like that, especially. And that was a big step. You know, and and then it was it, dude. I, I went up to New Hampshire, put myself in rehab. I was so mentally ready for it. I was so excited for the next chapter. I was so excited to work on myself. I was so excited to live a life without any of that shit. You know, and it took took time. It took two, two years of just me working on myself. And that was it in Keene, New Hampshire, dude. Next to a little fucking mountain. Just nothing around, you know, tiny town, dude. Tiny town. And that's all I was doing. Three meetings a day. Rehab, therapy, you know, I was talking to groups. I was co-chair of the New Hampshire State Conference for, nest, you know, uh, young people in AA. And I was super active, working on myself, you know. And then, like, after those two years, man, you fucking things got better. Things keep getting better. Things keep getting better. You know, and that's, that was seven years ago.